Welcome to Teach a Man to Grow with Tony and Roz. My friend Tony is taking on a challenge to feed himself for only a dollar a day during February. In the next few episodes, we'll be getting a rundown on how Tony's preparations are going. So we've gone into the garden. We've met the girls in the chicken run. Yep. Where's our next stop in the garden? The next stop is the, uh, the compost heap. So recently I pruned most of the things I could prune in the garden, dumped it into the compost heap, and I uh, borrowed a mate's trailer and went and got about 10 bags of mushroom compost. So that's all in there. That's doing its thing. And Now, why mushroom compost? I know you've already been asked this question um, by someone recently. It's local and it's cheap. So it, it, gives, um, it gives me the, the bulk um, that I need um, out of the compost. So that's the um, uh, mushroom compost is, is, uh, from, the, from the farm that I get it from is, is based on um, manure and um, different grasses that they use. I think it, they must use straw or something like that in there. But um, it, it gives me that, that the wet component um, that I need in the compost. And then throughout the, um, throughout the year, I'll shovel the, the, um, the clippings and all the, the chook poo that, that comes out of the chook run into the compost heap to add the, the dry component. So any, um, any leaves um, that drop throughout the winter um, I rake and, and put into the compost heap as well and, and turn it around. So it's always good to have a, a good uh, mix uh, of uh, green and, and wet uh, material and also dry material in, in your compost just to, to have that good balance. Mm. And how's it looking at the moment? Because we've, we've had both some really dry days and some really wet days. How is the compost heap coping? It is full of worms. It's uh, completely sodden. So it's it's very wet at the moment, but what that means is that it it helps um, all the all the twigs um, and and leaves that I've put in there uh, decompose down quicker. So I did a bit of digging yesterday in there because I uh, I planted some rock melons on the side of the uh, the compost heap, Ooh. hoping hoping that um, I'll get something throughout summer or yeah. maybe towards the end of summer. But um, there um there won't be any rock melons in February. Trust me. Oh. oh, briefly, let's just quickly visually turn back to the chook run because I know that you have a pumpkin vine that goes over the chook run. Is that done for the year um, or does it no, have... No, not at all. This year is, is um, no pumpkin year. <laughs> I basically didn't, didn't get anything down in time and the pumpkin seedlings um, that I've planted have been eaten by slugs. So I actually won't have any, any pumpkins this year. So that's why I've chosen to grow rock melon instead, just for something different. But um, yeah, part of the, the, the plan is that um, having the compost heap next to um, the chook run means that I, can, I, can, I don't have to move um, manures uh, as far. So they just go from one plot um, next door. And then growing, growing pumpkin in basically within the compost heap uh, gives it plenty of nutrients that it needs, but also allows the pumpkin vine to crawl over the top of the chook run and provide shade for the girls. Excellent. 
Excellent. Okay, so we've been to the chook run. We've seen the condition of the compost heap, which is looking lively and good. What's next? Next plot is where most of my greens are. So in in there, I've I've got my kale, I've got basil, I've got lettuce, which has gone to seed, uh, which is okay because I'll, I'll sow the seeds directly down in the same spot so that they'll um, give me something to um, more small greens to eat. I've got what does a what does a lettuce what does a lettuce seed look like? I've never really seen a lettuce that's gone to seed. It's um, small flowers, small, oh, you can kind of call them like really tiny daisies. That's probably the closest I could describe. They're like tiny little daisies about oh, about three to five millimetres uh, wide. And the seeds are a, a light greyish brown colour. And I think it's, it's a kind of like a triangular, it's kind of triangular, a long triangular pyramid type of thing okay wow and do you have to do you basically just chop the heads off and feed them back into the earth or do you have to dry them or no they they dry themselves um on the on the stalk i think that's what you call it they dry themselves and then i just um, pick it off and kind of squeeze and sprinkle it back down on the ground otherwise what i'll do is i'll, I'll chop that whole flower head off um, just hang it upside down to dry for a week and then i'll put it into a plastic bag and and mush it up and so all the seeds will fall out, fall out, and then I'll uh, just put it in a big tray, let it dry a bit further, and store it. And before I so rudely interrupted you, you were saying that you also have some mustard greens and a few other things. So there's mustard greens in there. There's some bok choy uh, that are all doing reasonably okay. Um, they're still a bit juvenile, but I think with all this rain that that we've had, and hopefully. A few longer days of sunlight, they'll they'll go ballistic, and I'll have plenty of greens in in that respect. Um, there's a bit of yesterday I, I put down some broad bean seedlings that have been going for a while, so they they'll be an end of summer uh, type of crop. Um, if if I don't if I don't get to eat the broad beans, then I'll I'll basically dig them back into the ground um, as a green manure. Mm-hmm. Um, down the back of that, that plot, I've got um, a, a cucumber. Yeah, I've got two cucumber vines, which I was very surprised yesterday to come home to find that there's a cucumber about the size of a golf ball. Oh, wow. But it's not Lebanese cucumber. It is, I, I, I actually don't know because I, 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 I bought the, the seedlings from the hardware shop as a bargain bin throwaway. It was like 50 cents instead of the 5 $6 that they were selling for. So I was like... I know that I can make these grow again. So they've been in there for about four weeks and they, they're, they're starting to flower and I can see um, small fruit coming about. So I'm very, very excited. Excellent. And that's exactly what we were talking about the other episode where you don't always know what you're going to get when you go to the hardware store and buy the cheapies. But, hey, if it produces good food. Exactly. And it's something I've never grown before. So I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about um, these cucumbers, they, I, I think they're, they're going to look like a pepino um, type of cucumber. So short, white, and really fat. Yes, almost like the appearance of a marrow even. That, that sort of the, the much kind of more bulbous round shape and paler. Yes, yes. So yes, fingers crossed I'll get a lot more of that. And um, yes, looking forward to trying it. Uh, next to the 
cucumber. I have uh, a single uh, bitter melon uh, vine as well. So bitter melon is uh, a very uh, typical um, Asian, Southeast Asian. I think even the northern uh, northern Asians eat it, and and in the subcontinent is really big as well. So I've 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 seen it and I've eaten it all throughout Asia. And it's been a, a favourite of mine ever since I was a kid. How do you usually cook it? I'm curious. I've had it once um, and I'll tell you about that shortly. But, yeah, I'm curious to find out how you would prepare it. Okay. So um, bitter melon, there's, there's four uh, dishes that come to mind when, when I think of bitter melon. Um, I, I love it just stir fried and then, and then put into a, um, an omelette. So a bitter melon omelette, it's fantastic. I uh, love that. I uh, spent um, years eating that. Love it. Um, recently, I've um, I've taken a um, taken the traditional Japanese miso soup and put a spin on it by putting in bitter melon instead. So you get the the um, the salty uh, miso flavour and a slight sweet, but also very strong bitter um, after they, that comes out of it. That's a, another favourite of mine. And is it sort of shredded through, or, or do you are you making it part of the broth? It, um, I, I do cook it down so it's a bit softer, so that the juices come out and is part of the broth. But, but then um, you, you've got you've got the, um, the bitter melon flesh. But I normally slice it finely so that it's it's not chunky. It's it's a bit more subtle. Lovely. And then the most traditional way to eat bitter melon um, in the Vietnamese culture, anyway, is to um, to core it out and then stuff it with, um, they usually use um, a pork mince, pork mince and and uh, vermicelli and also uh, finely chopped uh, black fungus. Mm. Seeing as I don't, I don't eat meat, uh, we usually uh, make a, a hard tofu stuffing. So it's, it's hard tofu vermicelli noodle and also black fungus and heaps of cracked pepper so you cut the two you cut uh, or usually just one end um, or you slice it down the middle and carefully open it scrape out all the seeds and then stuff it uh, with your uh, tofu stuffing and then just with a bit of um, thread just tie up um, the two ends so that it keeps together and then you you boil it um, for probably about half an hour and um Yes, that becomes. And then you cut it up into to rings about two centimeters wide, and that makes the the basis of a um, a soup oh. that you can have with rice. That just sounds heavenly. That sounds fantastic. I I had the one time that I have had bitter melon um, was in Vietnam, and we were traveling um, and staying up in Sapa, and we'd gone out to do um, to stay at a particular resort that was above the rice paddies, and and they were doing a cooking school. Um, and the women who were who'd done the market shop came back with bitter melon, and we sort of asked what it was, and they explained it to us, and they were really excited about having bitter melon. They were saying, "Oh, yeah, definitely a favourite food." Um, and they went ahead and prepared um, a gorgeous stir fry with bitter melon and a very sort of fatty pork belly. Um, and didn't offer us any until we really, really asked because they were terrified that we wouldn't like it being Westerners who don't like bitter things. <laughs> we loved it. It was really great. It, 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 was, it was bitter. It was definitely the, a taste that was outside the comfort zone. Yep. But it was good. It was really good. And that contrast between the fatty, unctuous pork belly 
especially because it had been fried and had some sauces going through to take that richness undercut with the bitter melon was just perfect it was really really nice so you've experienced it yes i have it's it's gorgeous so maybe i will have to see if i can grow some myself i, I won't pinch yours just at the moment because you i think you're going to need it we'll see i think at, at the moment um the vine is close to a meter tall and there's lots of male flowers and i haven't seen any um female flowers yet so um We'll see. We'll see. Maybe towards the end of, of February I might get something. I'll have my fingers crossed. Yes. But one thing you have to remember with um, bitter melon is that what you buy at the shops will always be less bitter than what you grow at home. Mm. I've, I've, never, I've never tasted a, a bitter melon from the shops that have been, that's been too bitter to eat. However, growing it at home, it's uh, been particularly strong okay and the same goes with coriander in my backyard um coriander that you get from the shops obviously they're they're grown on on the farms they grow very fast and often um they're hydroponic grown as well so there's not there's all the flavors of coriander but it's just not in, as intense as as what you get at home sometimes it's actually too strong for me at home and i just have to use less of it so We've done a bit of a walk around the garden. You've got some cucumbers. You've hopefully got some bitter melon. You've got some leafy greens on the way. Is there anything else that's there in the garden that you're excited about having? I'm really excited about my Kipfler potatoes, although I have not had a look for a good three or four months. So mm. it, it's going to be my surprise, and, and I'm not going to touch it until probably the second week of the challenge. Um, they've been in there for, for over a year now, and about four months ago, I, I harvested a about a kilo of of different size kiflers, and they were fantastic. Mm. So, yep, fingers crossed. I've been feeding them. There's been a bunch of manure, cow manure, put in there. There's a heap of uh, mushroom compost that's been put in there as well. So, fingers crossed, and I've mounted it up, probably about seven seventy centimeters. Hi. Wow. Really looking forward to that, but um, I'll save that uh, for... There is nothing in the world that beats fresh potatoes straight out, especially new potatoes. Oh, my God. It's amazing just getting straight from your garden. They are just so amazing. What else? Is there anything else that we need to know about your garden, or is that a good stop take of what you have? Um, other than that, the um, carrots are going really, really slow. Um, beetroot seems to to be getting there i'll probably have something um later on in in the month um all the herbs are doing fantastic um so thyme um oregano uh parsley all all the asian mints and things like that they're all going crazy with the rain um corn is doing great guns although they're they're probably around about six weeks behind where they should be uh my romanesco has has come back up after the rain I don't think I'll get any heads, uh, but at least I'll be able to eat the leaves. My purple Brussels sprouts are going ballistic. The the leaves are literally the size of a cabbage. Wow. Yeah, so each leaf is a good 30 centimetres wide, but there's no Brussels sprouts on them yet. It's just growing the, the leaves at the moment. Can, can you cook the leaves? Because my cauliflower, um, the one that I was so proud of, 
got completely scorched in the hot weather that we just had. And so I lost the first cauliflower head that I'd grown. Can you eat the leaves? Because that will actually make me feel somewhat justified in having spent all that time growing it. You absolutely can because um, they're, they're no different to the, the Chinese broccoli that you buy, that we, which you only eat the leaves and the stems anyway. So they all come from the brassica family. You can eat all of it. I think there's a stir fry coming my way. That plant is going to be eaten. Choose the, the younger, softer leaves for um, better flavour and easier cooking, and I think you'll be quite surprised. Ah, oh, I can do something with it. Yay! Absolutely. Okay, so it sounds like your garden is going great guns. Are you pretty confident that you'll have everything that you need um, for your challenge, or at least you'll be well supplied from your garden for your challenge? I am confident that I'll be well supplied, uh, but obviously I'm not going to have everything I wanted. But I suppose that's a different story because even if I don't have enough to eat throughout February, I'm well prepared to have a good harvest from the veggie patch for the rest of summer. But that makes me feel good. I think I did a reasonably good job with planning and the whole germination of seeds actually took a lot longer um, than what I had anticipated. So giving myself 10 weeks was uh, was probably not enough, but I, I think the hot weather that we had uh, contributed to it. So it, it, it's probably stressed um, all the seedlings and everything out a bit, but then we've had a whole heap of rain, which is fantastic, but we've had too much rain. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, it's um, part of the learning. And classic Australia. Yep, yep. And every, a few family members have said, oh, you've just chosen the worst month to do this because you know that the chooks are going to go into malt, so they're going to give you less eggs, and you know that... January, February, well, December, January is uh, the hottest months um, of the year. So anyhow. Different month next time. <laughs> it's a challenge. Definitely is a challenge. All good, all good. So I'm, I'm not worried. I, I suppose I'm not worried um, with the, um, the garden situation. It's, it, it's going to look after me. I think I've, I've, I've done it enough. As part of this challenge, Tony is raising funds for Second Bite, an organisation that redistributes food to people in need. If you'd like to donate, go to the Teach a Man to Grow Facebook page and look for the link to Tony's Everyday Hero page. Now, I'm going to be jumping on right after this podcast and I'm going to be putting in my donation and I'm really impressed with what you're doing to to make it all happen because it is such an enormous challenge. I think it shows real dedication. So, yes, I would also be encouraging everyone, get online, make a donation and make this really, really worthwhile, not just fantastically worthwhile. Yes, everyone, get on board, help me and help others. Teach a Man to Grow is supported by Create Storytime. Create Storytime is an iPhone and iPad app that allows you to create magical stories for kids. I will always remember Storytime with my granddad as he told us stories of pirates on the seven seas. It's a tradition I'll be continuing with my kids. Make Storytime magical with Create Storytime. Available in the App Store now.